Let's Let's see, see if this is on. Alright, so we're live. Alright, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Sports Goose episode number 48. I was going to say, who the hell knows? But Francisco is who the hell knows. Alright, so ladies and gentlemen, my name is Andrew, as always. Uh, joining me is Francisco. And Charles. Uh, I am, I am uh, leading the show today because I am. Yeah, I'm the late ringleader today because Francisco is trying to trial by fire me, um, so I know how to operate this thing in the event that he's out of town, which he will be uh, for the next couple of weeks. So I'll be uh, running things very, very soon. Uh, and I will, we will eventually not need, need him anymore, and then we can take him off the show. That was the plan from the beginning. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, let us get started, because some big news came out within the hour, and that is, let's haul y'all. So, for those who do or do not know, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame announcement came out, like I said, within the hour, probably about 40 minutes ago, and two new entrants in the BDWAA uh, category, and that is Mr. Derek Jeter and Mr. Larry Walker. Yes, Larry Walker uh, was kind of the sentimental favorite. I believe this was his 10th year in, in consideration. Um, he finally got in. It took him long enough. Uh, it was probably about 10 years longer than it needed to be. I think he could have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, or at least pretty close to it. Uh, but instead, it took him 10 years. He actually, on Twitter, said that he didn't expect that he would be getting in. Uh, but he still thanked everyone for, his, for the support. I'm extremely happy for him. Uh, like, we'll, we'll get to Derek Jeter in a minute. But, uh, Larry Walker is just one of those players that defined... Well, he defined a team. He defined the Colorado Rockies uh, for so many years. And it, and it was because of that definition that maybe it's why it's taken him so long just to get to this point. Because so many people talk about the course effect and all that jazz. But remember, he was already an excellent baseball player coming out of Montreal. Uh, that infamous 94 Expos team uh, that was filled with you know, superstars. Uh, and he goes to Colorado and just rakes mm-hmm. in that atmosphere. But a lot of people don't realize that he also raked outside of Denver. It wasn't just pertaining to Coors Field. And then he, uh, later on in his career, uh, I think he went to St. Louis with the Cardinals uh, to, to end his career. So it's just one of those, like, oh, thank God, he finally, finally made it to, 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 to the end of uh, well, something great to, to, to be all. 
I think, I think he, he won, won that, that one, one, correct? No, 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 they lost to the Red Sox. Charles can remember very good. Uh five-time All-Star, MVP in 97, seven gold gloves, three silver sluggers, batting champion three times, and he went to NL home runs in 97. So, and he got in with 76% of the vote. He just crossed the threshold. Yeah. He was, and I think, I think, um, well, here, I have the, before I'll pull up the numbers, um, here was his tweet that he posted at 10.41 a.m. today, Eastern Time. Although I believe I'm going to come up a little short today, I still want to thank all you that have been pulling for me and showing your support. I'm grateful for all of you, and it's been fun leading up to today reading everyone's thoughts. Cheers. That's the Canadian in him. You know, I wonder, is he the first Canadian to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? No, no, he's, um, I think he's the second one. He's the second one. Uh, the other one is Fergie Jenkins, according to Sportsnet. Fergie Jenkins, very cool. Alright, so Larry Walker gets in. Uh, people have, now that we have seen I'm actually going to ask, it's just quicker if I do it over the air. Francisco, how do I reset the Google, reset the browser? Yeah. 
right? Especially since it's the man with the most hated team in the late 90s, early 2000s, even in the current decade. And we're only in 2020 for like a month, you guys. But I'm not gonna hate on the presumption of, you know, cheaters not get 100. What I'm very curious about, guys, is just it's only two people. I don't think I've seen a number that low, not counting the old committee or whatever the hell they call it that I'm not a big fan of. But you guys remember my rants on the Hall of Fame, so you couldn't give you couldn't give a damn about it, really. This is the 10th year on the ballot. And he had a 22% jump this year. jump on it is 
is we're talking about what five percent is to make it. And I'm looking at the bottom of the barrel for first year entries for other year entries for guys who just got certain votes within it. And you have guys like, and I kind of have debate on this because I feel like Cliff Lee could have been the needle after a couple years, but he only got two votes in. Those two votes could have gone to a real, not assuming that the guys who voted for Schiller also could cast a vote too for um, Cliff Lee. I'm just pointing it out there. You know, Adam Dump is one. Jason Giambi with his six. Look, Giambi was my dude. I don't want Giambi on there. Put the six there. Canerco with his ten. Bobby Brees. Andy Pettit, who, no, because he's a snitch and we don't like to, you know, love people from the steroids because he wants to get everything. Think about this for a second. Andy Pettit, the man who purposely said, hey, bring down the whole HGH steroid factory. We'll have less votes than Roger Clemens, who is sitting on a very fancy 61%. Yeah. You know, and then also let's let's stop trying to get votes to the nice guys, the guys that we think we're clean. If Roger Clemens, mind you, never tests positive uh, for anything to my knowledge, recollection, and remembrance, is at 61. And Barry's at 60.7. Maybe it's time to just stop, you know, spreading the wealth. And let's just give it to the elite who really are elite. Because I'll tell you right now, and this is as a Yankees fan, and Andy led us to a couple times, even held to Houston going to the World Series. Andy Pettit's not elite, so let's not even contemplate. I understand it's a jury of our peers and reporters, but listen, reporters, reporters kind of suck, man. And if I want those guys who are stuck in that predetermined phrase of, oh, you should never juice for baseball, or let's talk about the modern-day practices, what if there is a Correa and a Otuve and a Mookie Vets and all these other guys who've been caught up in the sign stealing. Are they are are their possible Hall of Fame careers gonna be jeopardized by these scandals and incidences? And the thing what I'm trying to come to is like if you live in that era of controversy and you're casting a vote and you're not even gonna recognize now mind you there's a difference between stealing signs and other pitch coming and that's why you're gonna be an AL MVP and purposely steal from the Yankees against Royal Chapman and it should have been our World Series. I don't care what the Dodgers are saying can't award a loser or something. Get over yourselves. <laughs> but, you know, it's time to just stop. Let's just stop giving out the, the gold medals to everybody. And if we are giving out gold medals, let's just take away the big gold medals. Because, you know, if, if you're last place, you're not giving the full gold, baby. You're getting, like, you, you get that day with that girlfriend from high school that you know that you're going to marry, but you need a girlfriend coming to college. And that's you, Paul Conurco. Sorry. Hurt me to say it. That's you, Adam Dunn and Brad Eddie and J.J. Butts. I'm looking at the 2021 potential ballot here, and just from the lineup, first off, it is kind of like a, it's a show. It's a show for the baseball writers. They, they're, they, this is like their only chance to be, well, aside from the MLB awards, to be, I don't know, the gatekeepers to this, this realm, even though there are some players that some people still believe don't deserve to be there, like Carol Baines or whatever. Um, But... I'm looking, like, Kurt Schilling is probably going to get in next year. And just by virtue that they're planning this out, they didn't want him to go in with, with Jeter this year. They want Jeter to be the guy, and then Larry Walker to be the feel-good guy at, you know, the, you know, the side show or whatever. Um, so, Kurt Schilling is, he's probably going to get in. He'll probably make that 16-point or whatever, 15-point jump just to get in. Uh, Roger Clemens... And Barry Bonds will still be, I mean, I think next year is the last year of eligibility. Or no, no, two years, two years. Um, some of the first ballot guys are going to be there. Tim Hudson, Mark Burley, Tory Hunter, Dan Aaron, Barry Zito, Aramis Ramirez. I mean, look, look, fine players. You know, they had their, their, their 
their highlights, but nobody that just jumps out at you. Uh, Grady Sizemore, A.J. Burnett, Nick Swisher, Aaron Harang, uh, Dan Uglis, C.J. Wilson, Michael Kadire. Things are just getting worse as I go down the list. <laughs> I mean, the Kevin Gregg, Skip Schumacher. I mean, just a bunch of players that none of them stand out. For what? For anything like you remember them. Maybe one day there'll be a player, player we'll remember to forget. <laughs> but some of them already are. But, I mean, look at this top five, or, or let's say the top ten, uh, are still guys that at least stood out in some sense, at least have some standout numbers. Gary Sheffield hit 500 home runs, at least. You know, uh, Andy Pettit had, a, I guess, a, a good postseason career. Uh, Kurt Schilling really is the one that stands out most out of all of these guys, aside from the controversial guys like Clemens and Bonds and Sosa. So, uh, Schilling's getting in next year. I'm already predicting that now. And it's a show. It's a show. This is how it is. Uh, I guess before we move on from the Hall of Fame, uh, first I just want to point out that the Modern Baseball Era Committee uh, came back <clears throat> with two people coming in. You've got Ted Simmons, who's a former player, and then you have Marvin Miller, who is an executive for, uh, let's see, Marvin Miller uh, passed away in 2012, unfortunately. Uh, was the executive director of the MLBPA. Oh, yeah. I remember that. There was, I think he had said that he didn't want to be inducted, correct? Uh, maybe. But, I mean, he's been honored by like, Donald Trump and those guys. Right. Essentially, is the reason the Baseball Players Association um, was able to grow itself Strong, probably the strongest union in, in, in North America, professional sports. All right. Okay. I have no other opinions about that. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> All things overrated. It's my uh, statement to you guys. By the way, congratulations to a friend of the show, Jared Jeter. Indeed. <laughs> By the way, uh, Marlins Fan Fest, February 8th this year. That's right. It's great. Yeah. It's, uh, we might see our, our good old boy over there. We might have to do a uh, goose on the ground for that one, perhaps. Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, so... Alright, so uh, let's move on here. Uh, I'm going to go back to the main screen because I don't have a graphic for this. Uh, let's go to the results from this past week. The uh, AFC and NFC Championship games. Sorry, uh, sorry Charles. we got to get this out of the way. We're we're journalists here. So, so anyway, as I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Taher, uh, please correct me if I mispronounce that, uh, Bang Bang Niner Gang, that is correct. The San Francisco 49ers are going to be representing the NFC East, or sorry, NFC in the... Super Bowl, LAVs, that's 54. 54, yep. Uh, live. Super live. Bowl. Super Bowl, live. Uh, yeah, Miami. Super Bowl, live uh, down here in. It's not Miami, it's Miami Gardens. 
Let's let's be clear about that. Um, Oh, of course they will. That's the, that's the thing. Listen, I, I've lived in Miami now for almost six years, five and a half years. Never in my entire life before that, and I'm going to be 28 in a couple uh, in a couple of, or in a month. Um, you know, I never realized how far away South Beach is from the actual Miami. This would be like the equivalent of um, calling wherever the Washington football team plays D.C., even though they're several miles outside of the capital. Well, the Redskins do play. Yeah, they play in Landover, Maryland. Exactly. But they call it D.C., and they show footage and pictures of the Capitol building of D.C., yada, yada, yada. Um, that's basically the same equivalent of showing South Beach when you're playing a game in Miami Gardens, which is out really in the middle of nowhere, sort of. Um, it's probably a good 30 minutes north of downtown in no traffic. Uh, at least it's right off the highway, though, so that, that helps a little bit. Anyway, enough about Miami geography. Uh, so 30 to 27, the Niners are moving on. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to just comment a little bit about man, the, the Packers. Aaron Rodgers looked so lost. It was it was kind of amazing. The, the 49ers made it so easy on themselves uh, that game. They, they gave them no, no chance whatsoever. It, it looks like may have been a little overrated this year. Rodgers didn't really have the best of seasons this as well. He was kind of average at best. Uh, and, one, I mean, the Niners' defense completely negated him. It even looked like he, he looked so confused. It looked like he, he, he couldn't even find his receivers anywhere. So uh, it was just easy for them. It was, <laughs> the game was already over when it started. Yeah, it's you. You gotta feel for the guy because he he's put the team on his back basically his entire career, and he stepped into a really bad situation way back when because uh, you can almost call Brett Favre the Jay Leno of football. Um, you know, he leaves, says he's done, then all of a sudden he comes back and says, "Oh, I'm not done. Give me my old job back." Um, but that's not fair. Um, but that's that's a long time ago. But he gave them another championship for such a storied franchise. Um, Look, he was he was stuck with a, a coach that he didn't see eye to eye with them for a while, and it really affected him. So the fact that he's been so successful is incredible. Um, Speaking of Hall of Fame, he's definitely going into the Hall of Fame when all is said and done. But I think that his career is going to be ending pretty soon. He's getting up there. I, I, I don't think he'll have a Brett Favre trajectory. No, I don't think so either. But I just uh, he'll have a like an Eli Manning type of career. Yeah, he got his championship. He's not going to be. He's not Joe Flacco, sure. Right. <laughs> San Francisco looking good. 
And then I, it's, we might as well just rip the Band-Aid off here, I guess, unless you have any thoughts on on the NFC side of things. Lightly on the NFC, and I can tell you this now. <clears throat> Spoiler alert. I'm picking San Fran to win Super Bowl, so we'll just get that out of the way. And Rodgers. It's not from uh, the result of the other game. Or... Oh, no, it's not a result of the other game. It's just <laughs> so the team, right? No, no, no. Listen, 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 listen. I'm just happy to be there. I'm just the guy who got a you know, date to the Sadie Hawkins dance, as far as I'm concerned. We've had the most relevancy in almost a decade because of this Super Bowl pseudo-run that we tried, at least getting to the AFC Championship. The reason why I just say San Francisco is that defensive line is disgustingly good. With yeah. Nick Bosa, with Tarek Rick Armstrong, with um, D Ford coming back from injury. And also how, lucky, how lucky for San Francisco. They, you know, they lose Garoppolo, they tank completely the year before, and they get Nick Bosa, and then use him something that you don't need a superstar quarterback to get into the big dance. You want to know why? Because the Green Bay Packers had a superstar quarterback and couldn't get to the great dance. What they have is a complete team. You know, and for the Chiefs, they have the superstar quarterback. They have a semi-complete team. You know what they're lacking? A real run game. Because, boy, let me tell you, when Nick Bosa, D4, Eric Armstrong, DeForest Buckner, and, you know, Quan Alexander, if he's fully back in, are going to be running at you. And you know that you got to pass it to someone not named Richard Sherman. And praying that Richard Sherman ain't around. You better, you're going to wish having a run game was there for you for the Chiefs because all they got is Danny Williams and LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn has not been active. There is no passing game or no running game in the Chiefs playbook because they don't have a dependable guy. They just do short screens and, uh, you know, wide receiver screens against some kind of movement in the short yardage, and I think that's going to hurt them. Yes, they got Fred Clark. Yes, they got uh, Chris Jones. That's a good up the middle. That might put down Raheem Oster, because understand this, Raheem Oster had 224 yards rushing. That rarely happens, but it's a good compliment. But the Niners will have good offensive weapons because Jimmy G ain't no scrub. He's Jimmy Guapo. He's handsome, and he's knowing what to do with that ball. And it's called putting it in other people's hands. That's not the other's inside. He's got Debo Samuel, George Kittle. So here's the thing. X-Factors, the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey. The Niners have the Kit Kat bar. And George Kittle don't play, so they cancel each other out. I think it'll be a tough game. I don't like to do score predictions because I think it's silly. Because how, how would you know, right? Just know the one you're good. To bring it back to the AFC and Science game, because I know that's what we're here for for my rants, it hurts, but it's not bad. You know what hurts is the fact that you knew Mahomes was going to do it. You knew he was going to find a way to be awesome and exciting. Yeah. Well, as you called him St. Patty. He is a saint. He is a saint. He had one pass accurate to Tyree Kill, and he literally jumped off the field. He had another pass. Now it's Travis Kelsey, and then that touchdown run. Here's the thing. A lot of it was just a product of us trying to go too big time and not just push the man out of bounds. But he was duking and shaking like he was being chased by the cops, if I could steal that from Charles Davis. Because it was just something amazing. And you know what? At the very end, I think it was Logan Ryan trying to strip the ball out of him. 
when he spun into the touchdown. And yeah. he's going He's every, you, you know what he is, man? He's a, yes, man, because he can do everything, man. He has no concerns. We, so, me and Andrew actually, we saw the first half of that game together. Oh. And, look, the Titans were up 17-7 at some point. But, it was this feeling like, we, it, it wasn't like, okay, they're, they're doing something right now. But it wasn't like a feeling like, oh, crap, what's wrong with the Chiefs? What's wrong with the Chiefs? It was more, can the Titans? Hello? I'm not the only one, right? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Francisco? I think we to a point where... Oh, there he is. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah, yes. we're good. Um, so 28 points was not enough. The, the, it looked like the game plan for Tennessee was, because they took forever to score their touchdowns. They, they bled the clock a lot in that first half. But... Chance City would score in like a minute and a half, boom, when they got the ball back. So if they stopped Tennessee at any point, they would get the ball back. So Tennessee had to be essentially perfect and bleed the clock as much as possible in order to even have a shot at winning the game, hopefully. They were hoping to get the Chiefs into like a, like a, like a, like a chokehold, like, like a python trying to constrict them. Uh, you know, bleed them out through the game, and okay, maybe they score 25 and get a 28-25 victory, but it just wasn't enough. They, you know, Mahomes broke through. Well, as I, was, through. as I was telling Francisco, the the game plan reminded me of last year's uh, Fiesta Bowl between UCF and LSU. UCF is, they play fast, and they score quickly. Um... The pro and it's a good approach. The problem is, if you don't, <laughs> if if you're not scoring, you're and the other team is playing slow and chewing the clock, that's going to work against you. Which that's what I thought initially because I saw that Tennessee was taking seven, eight, nine minutes on these drives, um, but they just. Because they didn't score, that screwed them, um, and they weren't un they were unable to stop the Chiefs. Which I wish that was the outcome of last year's Fiesta Bowl, but I digress. Um, yeah, and so anyway, we're on to Super Bowl Live L I V. Uh, also, the name of an actress I really like, Liv Tyler, uh, daughter of Steve Stephen Tyler. Um, getting off on a tangent here. Uh, anyway, so February second, twenty twenty. I know where I am not going to be, nor am I going to be anywhere within probably a ten mile radius of that place because the traffic is going to be insane. Um, I mean, outside of that, my last thoughts are: I still, I see the San Francisco. I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to go full read on us, but they'll be, it'll basically be, a, for him, it'll be reliving that, uh, that, that Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl that he was in. Yeah. Just, just, just short. By the way, that reminds me, I was going to mention this, but I totally forgot. We can blame SB Nation for this Super Bowl matchup. I'm calling it right now. 
Here's why. This season, they've posted two videos related to the the 49ers, the 49ers and the Chiefs. The first one they posted was the um, collapse video about how everything just kind of went to shit after uh, Harbaugh left. Um, and here we are. They've uncollapsed themselves in spectacular fashion. Um, and then, just recently, they posted a video about Steve Bono's 76-yard touchdown run. Um, and they mentioned ad nauseum how there's been some sort of symbiotic relationship between the Chiefs and the 49ers when it comes to quarterbacks. Um, well, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet from Joe Montana. Oh, yeah. It basically, he had in his room, his house, he had two framed jerseys, one from the Chiefs and the 49ers. He's like, my team is going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> the battle for Joe Montana's soul. Exactly. Um, You know, personally, I'd like the Chiefs to win just because they've had the longer championship drought. Um, It's been 50 years since they last in the Super Exactly. They got a likable coach. Plus, I'd like Reed to to win one, and then Travis Kelsey really endeared himself to me when he quoted BC Boys during the post-game trophy ceremony. Um, You got to fight for your right to party. So I'm I'm hoping that he will have his his right to party come February 2nd, 2020 in Miami Gardens, Florida. Well, I got to say two things to you guys. One of them is a question. Okay. They're all questions. One might be something you can put on the background if you know how to do it yet. One... How accurate was Fred Rank this season? Because they kind of called a lot of the, uh, well, I think mean, they even had the Titans in there. So I'm curious to see who, you know, accumulated to the Super Bowl. And then two, did you guys see the greatest specimen in the world, George Kittle, wearing a shirtless Jimmy Garoppolo shirt in his post-game interview with ESPN? I was dying of laughter. He has, like, a photo of Jimmy G shirtless for whatever reason. the first time in 
I think it was I think it was the first time in probably close to a decade that neither one of their those teams was in their respective championship game. Which is weird. Um Okay. What uh, what topic shall we move on to next? I was going to say Fulmer Cup, but there hasn't... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I wanted to say, did you guys see the news that the NFL, the NFL drafts in Vegas this year? Yeah. I'm going to pull that up. Good idea. <laughs> it's in Vegas this year because the Raiders are moving. But the draft stage is going to be on the water of the Bellagio, you know, where the fountains are, the famous fountains. It, that's where the stage is going to be. So they're going to have like a semi-floating stage oh there. It, it's it's so it's so Vegas. Here, I'm pulling it up right now, so Charles. Trash. If you want to take a look, like it is absolutely a it's pure Raiders. It's 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 pure Vegas, man. It's absolutely it's. Yeah, that's exactly it. One person has said, I will be, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but they would be sorely disappointed if they don't see a 300-pound lineman do a belly flop into the into the fountain. And honestly, I have to agree with them. I expect one of them to jump in on purpose. And it won't be Jim Burrow. Nah, it won't be Burrow. It's too bad Christian Wilkins is not being drafted this year. Remember, he, uh... Didn't he just, he just bumped uh, Roger Goodell last year. <laughs> I, would, I would see him. I would see him uh, uh, jumping into the water in celebration. Hold on. Uh, go with the, or take over for like 15 seconds. Okay, so uh, I wanted to, well, I wanted, uh, we're, we're getting to the all-star break for the NHL, so I wanted to mention some things. Uh, before we get to that, right. one huge announcement for down here. Uh, big stuff happening for South Florida. The Florida Panthers were awarded the 2021 NHL All Star Game or All Star Weekend. It's not really one game anymore; it's several games. So that's great news. The second big event. I, I posted an article on uh, SB Nation uh, earlier today. It broke uh, the Atlantic. Broke so, uh, first time since 2003 that the Panthers uh, uh, haven't hosted it, and it's just great news for hockey down here. It's the second big, like the NHL has, uh, I'm going to learn a good few for you, 
Charles. NHL has their major events, just like all these sports. The draft and the All-Star game. And in the NHL, it also includes an outdoor hockey game now. Outside of the All-Star game. So the Panthers got new owners in 2013. And ever since then, they put a lot of money and work into the into marketing and all that type of jazz. Okay, we'll see how how far they can go with that. But this is event number two outside of actually winning and going to a Stanley Cup final. And then I guess three would be the draft, no? Well, they already got the draft. They already got the draft. This is the all-star game. So now all that's left is, well, depending on them, Getting to a Stanley Cup final. Well, the Panthers have been in the outdoor, final before. We're getting an outdoor game. So that's the next. That's the quadfecta. So, um, so that's great news for the NHL for, for South Florida hockey, especially. You know, it'd be great now that. Yeah. Hold on, what is. How are the Panthers doing, says Charles. Okay. Well, I'll get to that. Alright. But I wanted to, uh, also mentioned, uh, somebody mentioned that the state of Florida next year is going to host the college football championship. Down here in Miami. It's gonna, they're going to host the Super Bowl next year. It's in, it's in Tampa. Right. And they're going to host the NHL All-Star Games, so all these major events. Are Good Lord. Not to mention, and you've this got... Year, this year is WrestleMania, so... That is true, out in Tampa. So lots, lots to go on in the next calendar year for, uh, or a little over a calendar year for the state of Florida. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, wanted to run down the NHL stuff. Standings right now, the Washington Capitals are on another level. Uh, compared to every other team in the NHL, they just are. Now they've been there before, but now they have a cup to their name. So, there's a legitimate chance they could do it again, winning this year. Um, but then you have the next tier of teams. That's your Boston Bruins, your Pittsburgh Penguins. You saw the Penguins beat the Bruins on Sunday. The Penguins are, are hot right now. They, they're just getting healthy, and their backup goalie, when Matt Murray went down, is doing really well this year. So, they're kind of riding with them, for the most part. Um, and I actually have him as a potential uh, so, um, uh, Yari for the Penguins for, as a potential business finalist for me. But I'll get to explaining that later. Uh, so Penguins and, and Bruins. Uh, the Bruins lead the Atlantic Division, which is the division the Panthers are on. Panthers are third place in that division, so they're currently in a playoff position in the season we're in today. And they're, 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 they're playing good hockey at this point. The Lightning are playing fantastic hockey. They started off really, really slow, but they just got on a tear, and and uh, I don't think they'll they'll take the division by the by the break, which I think starts tomorrow. But I think sometime in February, I can see them retaking the division. Um, in the Western Conference. The St. Louis Blues have defended their championship very nicely. They haven't started off slow at all. No Stanley Cup hangover. They're in first place in their division. And the Pacific Division. 
Did he lose him again? Well, while he's while he's gone, let me do an added learning goof. Um, hockey's playoff system is a little bit funky. Did I, did I cut out again? Yeah. Like Hold on. Before before you continue, I just want to do a, a quick uh, inter inter uh, learning goof for Charles. So. Baseball's playoffs, uh, sorry, hockey's playoff system is a little bit funky. How it is, is you've got two divisions in each conference. Um, each conference is, well, one has 16, one has 15 teams. Uh, but anyway, how it works is the top three teams from each division move on, and then the next two teams that are the top wild card regardless of division. So, you know, I have on screen, I have the Eastern the Eastern Conference right now. If the playoffs were to start today, it would be Washington, Pittsburgh, the Islanders over for the Metropolitan, then you've got Boston, Tampa Bay, and Florida for the Atlantic, with Columbus and Carolina, those jerks, um, would be the top two teams in the wild card. And... I don't even remember how they decide which teams play which. Um, okay, so the, the division winners will face off against the wild card teams. Okay, so, and then the better of the division winners places plays the worst of the wild cards. So in this case, it would be Washington against Carolina, uh, Boston against Columbus, and then I guess... The two plays the three? Right. Okay. So, does that make sense, Charles? Yes. Um, and then, let's see what's going on. The NHL changed this format a few years ago, after they realized. Everyone hates it. It's basically a callback to the way they used to do their playoff format back in the 80s. Okay, so they went back like 30 years. It, It used to be... Exactly like the NBA's format. But now they, they decided to win. Right, it was just top eight regardless of division, although... The division winners get the top three spots and then everybody else. Right. Um, so, okay. And I guess while we're at it, since I don't think we discussed this last time, but what the hell were the... Vegas Golden Knights thinking. What is going on over there? Okay, so uh, uh, Andrew was talking about Gerard Gallant being fired by the Vegas Golden Knights. The former head coach of your Florida Panthers. So, uh, Gerard Gallant, he's had three head coaching gigs in the NHL. He was the Columbus Blue Jackets and he got fired. Uh, then he went into uh, he went to junior hockey to Uh, to the Stanley Cup final, and they won the division last year, 
as well. But this year, things have been different for for, for a myriad of reasons. I think one, I don't think the Vegas Golden Knights have realized that the rest of their teams in the division have gotten better. A lot of those rebuilding teams, Vancouver, Edmonton, and the Arizona Coyotes especially, their rebuilds are finally taking fruit. Um, so the Coyotes are surprising everyone at this point. They're kind of like the Carolina Hurricanes last year. But it's because they've got a great team. They've got a great goalie in Darcy Cooper, uh, who is uh, one of my my, uh, my Vesna Trophy finalists that I predicted for this year so far. And I'll explain what a Vesna is to you, Charles. I want to do it. Mine. Dibs. Yeah. Dibs. But uh, let me finish off this and then I'll, I'll let you go. All right. So, um, so, gets fired. He'll be hired very quickly. I'm going to assume the way the Montreal Canadiens are finishing the season right now, I have a huge feeling that he's going to go to Montreal because one, he was a assistant coach there before, and two, he can speak French. Uh, oh. <laughs> so Claude Julien is the current head coach of the. Canadians, and I don't know, for some reason, um, I think Montreal's going to fire him and give him the one, I don't know, uh, for some reason I have to feel but either way, he's going to get a job very quickly, and the Golden Knights fired him when they were only three points away from the, the lead in the division, so it's like, but some people are, are speculating uh, that it might be something behind the scenes, maybe he lost the locker room. Maybe he had something, I don't know, he might have had some issues with some, some players, but from what it looks like, he might have had some differences with management, most likely than anything. Probably with the general manager. And uh, they, they got rid of him. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. This is uh, Vegas' first real controversy as a franchise. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, My Vesna finalist so far, right now it's Sukarask. For me, he, he's number one. His, his goal against average is like 2.27. Which is ridiculous. Like a 9.27 save percentage at this point. Also so ridiculous. He's already, won, he's already won the trophy already once before. And then um, Jari out in Pittsburgh, Tristan Jari, uh, who's had a surprisingly good season. And then Darcy Cooper, who's probably one of the Probably the largest reason the Coyotes are where they are right now in terms of uh, playoff positioning. But uh, Andrew, explain to Charles what the trophy is. And I call dibs here because I am a goalie at heart. Uh, Francisco knows that way too well. <laughs> um, someday, once I become a lawyer with all the fancy money, I'm going to buy myself some goalie equipment and start playing some uh, amateur adult leagues because... Anyway, so the Vesna Trophy, in short, is basically the MVP of goaltenders for the season. Um, named after George Vesna, who used to be the goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens back in the, the 1910s and 1920s. Um, for most of its history, it, was, it went to the goaltender who had the best goals against average, or... Uh, f- well, actually, the goaltender that led 
Correct. Um, but starting in 1981-82 season, they started a new trophy for that, which is called the William M. Jennings Trophy. So it's the goaltender slash goaltenders. It's, it's the goaltenders of the team who allowed the fewest goals in the year. Do you follow? Um, so I'm trying to see who was the record holder. Um, Hoshik. Yeah, Hoshik. He's got six. Which is, have you ever, have you ever seen Dominic Hoshik play? Please do. That's, that's your homework for, that's your homework for next week is to watch some of Dominic Hoshik. Nothing like the gold tether. So, yeah, let's say it's starting to enter, let's say Nolan Ryan. Okay, so we'll go mention that you have the CHL and NCAA and all these minor... Yeah, that's, well, yeah, 
that's you have like, like college of hockey or high school. It's, it's a, a very, very deep farm system in hockey. Exactly. And you've got Europe, European leagues, the South all over the world, and Russia, and Sweden. I think in some ways you could say that it's even deeper than baseball just because of how international it is. Yeah, deeper in that sense. Baseball's just got so many levels and leagues, and it's just it's crazy. But um, hockey rebuild, look, most hockey teams... Uh, if you get your your stellar goaltender, your stellar center, and your stellar defenseman, those are basically like the big three that you need in order to be successful. You're pretty much set. You can kind of build around them after that with average players. Defensemen take a lot longer, a lot longer to develop, as well as goalies. But goalies can be kind of streaky and fluky, and sometimes sometimes goaltenders just like are great for one season and then they fall off the face of the earth afterwards but uh nhl rebuilds take about if you really like if you really break it down maybe around three to four years to actually start taking depending on who you get uh, and then you have teams like the edmonton oilers who have never truly rebuilt even though they had three freaking first number one draft picks in a row it's not that they weren't rebuilding they were rebuilding they just they sucked at it for so long and then they got gifted. The one year that they probably weren't trying to tank, they get gifted the generational talent by Connor McDavid. So, you know, it's, it is the way it is. It is what it is. But, uh, yeah, it's not like the NBA where one guy changes everything immediately. There's so, there's so few players like that in the NHL. And really, I think the only players that you can stay that were like that were Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, and... I guess Connor McDavid, but the Oilers, uh, uh, well, they're putting it together this year, but yeah, those, those three are probably the only guys you can say that are like, those guys changed the franchise forever. Uh, maybe, Pat, maybe Patrick King. That's, okay, that's it, that's it for me. So let's see, we're at, we're at 57 minutes, make that 58 minutes. So I guess we should just go to now a word from our non-sponsors. Okay. Um, I don't know who went first last time, so I'm going to let one of you guys go. Okay, so I guess I'll start just to get out of the way. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Rocket League. <laughs> because I bought it on sale, I think, sometime last month in December when the Nintendo eShop, which was having a ton of sales because of the holidays. Uh, got it for 10 bucks. I had already bought it on my PC on Steam uh, way back when for 20 bucks, and I played it a ton then. But my computer sucks, as you guys know, and it's on the verge of exploding at any moment. So my Switch is not on the verge of exploding at any moment. So I bought it on there, and I've been hooked ever since. I don't even know how many... I, I, I have to check how many hours I've been on it. You've you played at least you played over a day. I've played about four hundred matches so far. <laughs> Since I got it last month. Four hundred matches is an average of four minutes. <laughs> yeah, four, yeah, each match lasts five minutes. Oh, five, five minutes? minutes overtime. Yeah, sometimes there's sometimes there's overtime. Last place an average. Still, it is fantastic. Uh, 
it is. I only play one mode, Snow Day, which is hockey. Because, <laughs> because as you guys know, I'm I'm a I'm a non-proponent of soccer. Uh, I find soccer to be an abomination to mankind. But uh, I, they added a, a hockey mode into Rocket League. They have a basketball mode as well. There's a mode for everything for everyone. If you just want to beat the crap out of people, there's a mode for that too. And the game is competitive. It is fun. It takes a while to get the hang of. Uh, Andrew played it with me a couple times already, and I'm trying to convince him to get it for his PS4. You know, find a used copy out there, I think. Like 10 bucks. Yeah, 10 bucks, a used copy at a GameStop or something like that. And, and I feel like Toronto, don't buy after you get done with the bar exam, okay? Because you yeah, can yeah. now. It'll be a TikTok. Exactly. Uh, so, promo code. Epic save. <laughs> Charles? Alright, so, as you guys know, I usually talk about what feeds not just my soul, but my belly. For most oh times, God. we do our, uh, our, our stuff when we do our non-sponsor week, but this time, you guys, I'm going to give you something that kind of fed my imagination for a while, because I remember one of my first non-sponsors was Audible. Well... Charles, what were you listening to on Audible? And what did I complete last week? Well, my non-sponsor, courtesy of Audible, and using it, you can read it too if you want, is the Wheel of Time series. 14 books, one of them being a prequel, probably over 350 hours, listening to on drives, for all the weddings I had to go to last year, drives the court outside my county, drives when I was going to the gym, being at the gym, running on the treadmill, busting my cartilage, my knees up, and I finished it last week, and I feel very hollow. I finished it last Friday at like 7 p.m. And, you know, it's originally by Robert Jordan, who died. Uh, it is the final book being made, but it was so grand that Brandon Sanderson does this one series and all that other stuff. He's certified part to three books, so I finished Memory of Light. Um, it's a high fantasy series with some kind of geopolitical aspirations there. You can definitely see the heavy influences that George R. R. Martin was doing for his game of He's been committed to having read them before. I would even mention maybe J.K. Rowling was, uh, read them or listened to them too. I don't know, but you know, books one through six are very good. Seven, eight, kind of a drag. The problem with Jordan, he's like to kind of go and muffle on certain things and describe things that don't matter and use the same words over and over again. Nine and ten games that really good, and I thought that was good. And then she left a complete draft for Brandon Sanderson to follow through. There were certain things that he didn't expand on because he died, but that was a cool idea. But I thought it was a good way of coming full circle. Characters I didn't know that I liked were going to become some of my favorite characters. At the end of the day, sometimes when you have a book series that you're so connected to, it depends on who those primary characters are. And I ended up liking the three, Brandon, Harry, Mac. Oh, Mash McCall. Snakes in my soul as the gambler, but I will not earn out right now. It was a good way for me to kind of waste my time in places where I was bored getting to, especially being at the gym because I hate going on the treadmill. And it kind of affected me because you guys know how it is. You read cases, tape law, you read the petitions. You don't necessarily want to read a book. I've been on the same actual physical book for like a year now with uh, the Dark Tower series. Granted, we're moving along because the more I travel, I always bring a book. To wait and read, but uh, so that is my thoughts. But the real time series, we want something a little bit new, making a show on Amazon. I don't know if it's going to be good because some things just shouldn't translate to a different 
photos out, including one being pretty cool. I had a good time, and uh, so I enjoyed it. Promo code. Ooh, but I'm getting super nerdy here. Deep. All right. So, so my non-sponsor is Turvis. What? Turvis, the water bottle company. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh. Well, I still have it. I still have my Contigo uh, water bottle. But I got this as a gift. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up. Gosh darn it. Um, yeah, Francisco's seen it. Um, here we go. Um, I got this as a gift uh, over the holidays. It's UCF 13-0 undefeated season. Uh, Turvis. Uh, to pull it up on screen right now. Um... I swear, I have never drunk more water in my life than I have with this thing. It has really helped. It's, it's an awesome thing. The only downside compared to the... I mean, an upside is, for one thing, it has UCF on it, which is freaking awesome. Um, it, the graphics are just nice. Um, also, the fact that it's clear... I don't know, it gives me more incentive to drink more because it kind of shows me how my progress is going. Whereas with the, the uh, thermos where I can't see, it's just like, uh, how much water is in this thing? If that makes any sense. Um, so anyway, uh, this thing is great. You know, it has nice graphics. It lists all the scores for the season. Um... Yes, it's really nice. It's, it's pretty indestructible. It comes with a lifetime guarantee as well. So it's like it's. Oh, and the downside to it though is it does not retain temperature as well as the thermos does. Um, despite them saying that it retains temperature, it retains temperature well. It really does not. Um, but it's okay, I guess, at retaining temperature. Um, but not as good as the insulated thermos. But anyway, uh, Turvis, uh, specifically the UCF 13-0 undefeated season Turvis, is my own sponsor of the week. Promo code National Champions. All right. Um. Ah, crap, I didn't put that graphic up yet. I can just do it real fast. All right, go ahead. I just want, I just want to get these out of the way. Some, some of the smaller ones, but uh, this one is going to be the Lakeland Magic. Ooh, okay. So, uh, just to get a little something to uh, there. They are the G League affiliates of the Orlando Magic. I'm surprised. Which is about an hour, if for anyone that doesn't know, it's about an hour west of Orlando, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. If if you had to if you had to choose a city that was halfway between Orlando and Tampa, Lakeland would be it, basically. Right. Uh, Lakeland. Uh, well, also 
Detroit Tigers uh, Florida State League team, single A team. As well as the spring training home of said Tigers. And it is also the birthplace of Red Lobster. Really? Yep. Wait, aren't they owned by Garden? Yeah, but the, the actual Red Lobster was started in Lake Florida. Right, but Darden is based out of Orlando, so it makes... Makes Just because we don't want you to know it's total bullshit. 
it's are, do, do they, they deserve, deserve to get in or, or not? Very good. 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 Very good.
let's see what's what's next. We're at an hour and fifteen. We still have plenty of time. Uh, I mean, there's NBA talk. All right, all yours. I guess I couldn't care less about the NBA. All right, we'll, we'll steal point here then, Francisco. Okay, so, um, well, I wanted to come out. And sorry, that's, that's one of my appliances back here. Um, stop it. Okay. Um, I wanted to come out and talk about how all of a sudden Chris Paul is a very good teammate. Because he has, uh, look, um, the Oklahoma City Thunder, it's, it, 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 if you have projected before the season, I think a lot of people would have been like, yeah, they're rebuilding. Uh, you know, they traded, they did the swap, Russell Westbrook for, for Chris Paul. And you would have thought, okay, Chris Paul is going to probably play there after the trading deadline and, and uh, you know, immediately the, the, the Thunder will flip him for, you know, draft picks. But, lo and behold, he stuck around. He bought suits for all of his teammates. He has been a model teammate for the Thunder. And all of a sudden, people were like, oh, he's not such a bad guy after all. This narrative that he was a bad teammate and that he's a... Well, he might be one of the four, but uh, all of a sudden, there's a revival in Oklahoma City. The Thunder are in seventh place in the Western Conference, a very top Western Conference. Yes, some teams that were normally there aren't there anymore. You have the downfall of the Spurs and such, uh, and things like that. But the Thunder are not just laying down. Uh, Chris Paul has kind of taken on a like a teacher role, in a sense. And I think there's a lot, there's there's probably two sides to this, because I, if you guys uh, uh, remember, uh, after Hurricane Katrina, the New Orleans Hornets back then had to temporarily play the, uh, I think, a season out in Oklahoma City, which kind of led to the, to the downfall of the Supersonics later on, because they saw OKC was a viable uh, city for, for a franchise. But I think Chris Paul kind of sees it as as a, I don't know, like his duty to, to steward the city of Oklahoma forward after they lost a potential, after they lost James Harden, after they lost Kevin Durant, and then they lost Russell Westbrook, and they collapsed afterwards. Like, uh, SB Nation has, has had a video of that as well, about the Thunder just screwed up uh, a potential dynasty at least a championship team. And suddenly, Chris Paul uh, has, 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 I guess, fixed his perceived image as a not-so-nice player and a not-so-nice teammate. And that's, I'm really glad to see that. I think part of it might have to be just getting older. He's 34 now, so he's in the the twilight of his career. Um, I mean, let's see. He came into the league in 2005. Um, so when in 2005 he was 20 years old. So this is 14 years later. 14 years ago for me would be when I was 14. And I know for sure that I'm infinitely more mature than I was at 14. 
and I'm still not that mature. Um, so he he's... I think part of it is like, who knows, maybe this could be his... This might be his final stop, maybe. Who knows? You know, like you said, he might have kind of gotten an affinity. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so anyway what the hell I'll just tell whoever's watching which is probably no one um, I was getting some technical support from uh, Francisco about how to work the microphones on this thing and the it the one of the things where it's connected to my microphone it says Mike M-I-C slash A-U-X for auxiliary. But me being a doofus, I didn't realize that when you said Mike Ox, it sounds like something else. <laughs> it's still funny. I don't it know. is hilarious. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, he might think that this is his final stop in his illustrious career. You know, as you had mentioned that you know, he maybe developed some sort of an affinity for OKC when they showed them hospitality after just an absolutely horrific uh, event. Um, I don't know. But it's, yeah. it's good to see him getting more mature. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Like I said, I don't really care that much about NBA, so that's just me responding to general stuff. I, I would say, buddy, that you did a good job, because here's my thoughts on Chris Paul. I've always liked the guy. I liked him when he was with the, I guess, Hornet Pelican. It was the Hornets. There was, like, so many different variations. <laughs> you know, especially since, you know, that, that first round against Kobe. And he kind of busted Kobe's ankles forever, became a fan there. Um, he kind of came back from a horrific knee injury uh, that kind of changed his style of play. You know, he's, he's still an elite dominator, but he became more uh, player, you know, teammate focused because that's the guy. I mean, he got to the Clippers. Rob City was born. He helped reinvigorate a franchise that was basically the bastard child of L.A. Shooter, 
and then you're playing on Steven Adams to kind of be there. So to be where you're at in position and playing tough, you know, it helps them as an eight seed because I think that's where they're at now or a seven, you know, it's a seven seed. So at a seven seed to kind of be a hard team to play in the playoffs because what do we know about basketball playoffs? The number ranking really doesn't mean anything unless you're like the eight seed and we know you're going to be trash. One through seven could be anybody's game. But for Paul, he probably is taking us as a lover scorned. And he's also taking us as an opportunity to develop two to three young guys and bring them over to the next generation. You know, he's part of that banana boat club of LeBron, Mello, and a few of the other you know, famous stars of those days, who are still kind of famous now, with John on Carmelo for coming back, um, that are able to kind of, Dwayne, of course, being on there as well as I retired, being able to kind of still usher in some kind of success at an old age, because when you think about it, he's, what, 34, still playing at a decent level production. LeBron's 34, going to ease up a little bit, but he has the Lakers being number one. And then Carmelo, I don't see them getting into the playoffs because it's just very tough on that Portland team that is just deficient on so many positions. But they're taking a leadership role, and they're succeeding. It's not like you're just being a leader, but you're not showing up production. I love UD, but UD is just a leader. He's not a leader, leader on the floor. That's why we never put him on there. Uh, right. But I, I think Chris Paul has been one of those nice stories. He's got to remember, the expectation was that they were going to trade him because it was just a salary dump. But then they're like, well, damn, your salary is too high because you're making like almost 25 to $30 million a year. But you're still a quality player. So we're going to try You know, he's having better success than Russ is because the Rockets, to, to gear away from the Thunder, but let's just talk about the West real quick. The Houston Rockets, who have every, been like everybody's critical darling the last couple of years, is yeah. sitting at a, a disgusting number six, and they've lost four straight, which is kind of unheard of the last couple of years. And it's kind of like, well, you know, the chickens have come home to roost. I mean, in regard to the South Lake, they do. Yeah, I mean, what? Uh, James Harden went one for 17 in his last game. Oh, I mean, there's, they have, they don't have a style, or they don't have a, a, a style and a constructed team that'll get them over the hump. Out of all the years, definitely not here. They've had their window, but it feels like that window's over, because looking at theirs, yeah, Westbrook. There was that one season, and then Chris Ball got injured. That was their yeah. one shot. Yeah, and that, that was a very high-powered team. And of course the uh, was it the, the 0 for 27 or whatever in Game Seven, yeah that that did him in too. So I mean, I mean that team could have potentially beat LeBron maybe. They almost beat the Warriors, and that was the team that beat. So I think if you beat the Warriors, you would have beaten the Cavaliers at that time. But tell me, Francisco, does the names Russell Westbrook in the playoffs when you know he's going to get pressured and then he's going to shoot? like a faraway three despite being double coverage. It's his name of James Harden, who's going to brick and go like 420, but we're going to lick you know, lick his backside because he made 16 straight free throws. Congratulations, but he missed everything else. Does Eric Gordon on that bench, does Ben McLemore, who could have played his way into a full-time role in Sacramento, does P.J. Tucker, does Clint Capella at this stage of the game, the way that game is played, and that's out in Houston, which is run and shoot. Does any of that make you really think that Man, are they even coming out at first round? Because as it stands, was it six gets three, right? So yeah. if they were, if it ended today, and God, I hate doing this because I feel like it's so, a little hamlet on ESPN. <laughs> so what? Uh, number one's LA, number two's Denver, and then 
I think it's the Clippers that are at three. Utah. Oh, so it's Utah? Yeah, so it's the Jazz. Yeah. I can see the Jazz beating them. Oh, yeah. That I can definitely see Donovan Mitchell and, and those guys beating them. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley kind of gets hot going from there. Um, it's just this team doesn't inspire anything great. This has just been the weirdest NBA season because, you know, the force is balanced, you guys. Like, the teams that were just pure dominating are because on the one side, the Bucks are 39-6, but Miami can beat them, right? We, we can agree with this. Give us the best of seven. We can kind of make it happen, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but top down, those top four teams, like the Toronto Raptors, they lost everybody, but they're still in the third seed. Um, you know, the only teams I don't really classify as important is really seven and eight, which is Orlando Magic, offense uh, Andrew, and then the uh, Brooklyn Nets because, well, Kyrie just kind of sucks, and they're only there in spite of him or despite him. But then you look at the West, I mean, Denver has been consistently consistent. You know, this is the same team as last year, and they're still not getting respect. Dallas, with the Luka and uh, Porzingis combo that's going on, if only they had more reliable shooting and rebounding, but that's a different story for today. Memphis Grizzlies, I mean, John Warren's still young, but man, he looks like he's better now than what Zion would have been in the beginning of the season, which let's segue to this. The Phenom, Francisco. He's on the floor tomorrow yeah. at home. Mm, that's right. And, you know, you guys know how I feel about the draft, especially the NBA draft. It's rigged. So now we get to lay our eyes on the, the Marriott puppet that is Zion Williams. And mind you, up in college. But now we can actually see if he can handle it in the big boys where Bones going to be clacking when you go for them dunks or where you go for the blocks and landing on with the proper Paul George sneakers I hope you don't have anymore. Well, at this point, they're trying to, well, while he was recovering, they were trying to reprogram uh, because he used to walk funny, I guess, in a way, or a run funny. So they tried to reprogram him so that he can walk slash run in a way that doesn't destroy his lower body, doesn't destroy his hips or his, or his knees. So basically... I have a strong feeling, and I know, I think Mike Greenberg especially hates this, I think that the Pelicans are going to put him on a maintenance program. Might as well. What is that game? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they could, especially this season. The rookie season, you know, play him uh, a couple games, rest him, no back-to-backs. I mean, they're already, I mean, you might as well try and get within the top five.
developing even at that age. Um, it's only what, 21? Yeah, exactly. So like around 24 is when you're like, you're done. So I think uh, that's what they're going to try and do. And so he's, uh, this could be three or four years until they end, and hopefully he doesn't become another Greg Oden. Watch out for the hype, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, there you go. Uh, and then I just want to, I guess, harp on uh, NBA Players of the Week, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he was uh, seventh of his career, the first as a Clipper. He shot 38 points, 58.6% shooting, 4.7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2.7 steals. And Ben Simmons of the Sixers. He actually shot the ball and made it in. He got 21.3 uh, points, 9.5 assists, or no, 9.5 rebounds, 7.3 assists, average. Talk about a fraud team. Did we lose him again? Out of all of them, 
Should we go on to now? Let's see, we're at an hour and a half. I didn't hear from you guys. Charles? No, they're not. Charles, check out. Ugh. He's so angered by my choice that he is. Okay. Are you back? Oh, he dropped out. Hold it. Do you have any thoughts, Andrew? Honestly, I don't remember what you were talking about. Fast food? Um, yeah, fast, fast food restaurant for you, gentlemen. Charles, go ahead. What are your takes? Alright, so, okay. This is kind of tough because, like Francisco, I'm on that one. He's high. And it wasn't as love as a child. It's just, it is maturity from a boy becoming a man. <laughs> And it's partially because that there are selections of food have gotten better quality. Like, oh, they're spicy. Oh, oh they, hands down. They, they have. Uh, they introduced this last year. They have a chicken avocado BLT Oof. that is to die for. And uh, they don't serve it past 10 o'clock, by the way. They don't serve it by past 10 o'clock, by the way. Which, I, I, I went there uh, actually like a week ago to get Wendy's. And it was past 10 o'clock, and it was 10.04. It was 10.04. I remember the, the exact time. I was like, yeah, give me give me that chicken avocado meal tea. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, sir. It's 10.04. We don't serve that anymore. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> but luckily, Wendy's has other great meal options, and I chose one, uh, one other one of their chicken sandwiches that they have available. But, yeah. Have you, and have you had their pepper one? Like, it has a, I forgot what it's called, but it has, like, a jalapeno peppers and everything in there. Oh, uh, no, no. I mean, their regular spicy chicken sandwich oh, so. is probably the only one that I feel is really spicy. Like, that actually yeah. it has a kick to it. Yeah. I'm about that, man. Because I taste Which one? The salsa burger. Oh, dear God, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, there are heart attacks. Oh, yeah, no, I love variety sandwiches, you guys. You know, the, the, the Baconator. Forget the son of the Baconator. The Baconator <laughs> itself. I was begging later, but damn, that Baconator's good, Francisco. The consistency of Look, I mean, the, the Frosties are fantastic. The Frosties are fantastic. Indeed. Those, are, those two right there. 99 second dudes. And they're well-deserved cookies. Oh, and yeah. you know what? The, their salad's not even bad because I've had their buffalo chicken salads. Yeah. It's fine. It was yeah. fine. The taco salad was... Uh, and I remember, I don't know if you remember, I mean, it, it's changed, obviously, since uh, the 90s, whatever, but I remember way back when, when it, was, it used to be massive, like, absolutely 
massive and had all the nacho chips in there for you to dip with the chili and all the, the freaking vegetables and beef and all that stuff. It's a lot smaller now. It's a lot more uh, healthy in that sense. It used to be like salad was only there as a, as a courtesy uh, for everyone else. next to it. But, uh, yeah, Wendy's overall, their overall menu has been fantastic. I think um, outside of that, the only thing that I enjoyed from someplace else, Zaxby's, was uh, oof. Zaxby's. Uh, it's because they're, they're strictly chicken. I usually mostly just get chicken at fast food joints. But, it's, it, but um, their milkshake, the milkshakes at Zaxby's them all they have all their they each have positives and negatives to them 
scratch that. McDonald's for me is strictly the breakfast because I had a bad experience when I was a kid <laughs> at McDonald's. Um, where I don't know, I, I had some sort of stomach. Me and my sister both had like a stomach virus, or whatever, and we were at McDonald's, and I, 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 I was I threw up all over the place inside of the McDonald's bathroom, and ever since then I was like. I don't know, it traumatized me from McDonald's. Uh, they're the regular meals. I can eat them, you know, if they're like the only option anywhere. They're one of the few places down here that's 24 7. Uh, that's fast food, at least. But outside of that, uh, I, I, I probably won't go near them. I'll, I'll probably drive on down the road and see if there's one he's going to buy. Uh, I'll go to a Burger King only if it's like, well, I'm too lazy to drive all the way to Wendy's today, so that's my that's my Burger King take, really. Uh, and uh, that's really it down here. And once again, I've said it before, Chick Fil A is overrated. So completely. Like, yeah, completely. I mean, let me say this. Wendy's sandwiches are much better. I mean, let me say this: the the Polynesian sauce Chick Fil A is to die for. I love it. Um, that, actually, you're very good point. And I, I I like their chicken. I'll be honest. It's 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 tough to compare Wendy's with Chick Fil A because they're made differently. Well, I I would say that it's a it's a better comparison to put what the hell PDQ up against Wendy's. Right, but I just mean in the sense of just comparing quality of chicken. Because because Chick-fil-A uses that peanut oil, the others don't. It's it's different. It's not as crispy as the others. Well, I mean And that's part of the reason why I didn't quite understand the whole comparison between Chick-fil-A and Popeye's because they're two completely different types of chicken. They're not comparable. Well, I mean, you, so you're, you're stating that it's not comparable just because of the way you compare their meals. Now, I mean, I'm stating that they're comparable just because they're using the main key ingredient of a chicken. And a chicken in a form of a sandwich. And thus, uh, and thus that's why I make it now we're gonna get back to chicken sandwich territory. We already had that discussion, and Charles has already stated that the nacho cheese the Cheeto sandwich is the winner of all, out of all of those. Okay, uh, so I, I will grant I will grandstand this a little bit because I have a flair for the dramatics. Nothing in your life will make you feel more complete than the birth of your child. Not ordering ordering three Tempe tie holders, or maybe we'll do that today. Not even having the most perfect day over Christmas. Where you don't even need a smoker, where the sun's shining right, will comprehend or will become comparable or comparable towards the KFC Cheeto sandwich. But, like everything that's good for you in life, you will die if you have it probably more than once in your entire life. Do they even still sell it? 
I don't know, because I already know we're going to the void. <laughs> we're going to the same zone. I can't entertain that yet. This is how you get addicted to coke. This is how you get addicted to mess. Because you have them once. Like, yeah, it's pretty good. But you remember the lady and the guy picking the freaking face off, and you can see their eye sockets. I know not to go back to that danger, guys. And it's not even relapsing, because that means I'll just say it's bad for me again and stop. It's a full downward spiral. I'm getting, I'm jonesing right now. And I had dinner beforehand. I actually had a Burger King Nuggets. They're okay. But still, I digress. KFC Cheeto Sandwich. I took the L for you guys. I shaved off 10 years of my life for you guys and everybody out there that knew I was doing it. To tell you, it is rewarding. It is fantastic. It is exquisite. It is the most comparable thing to having that we will see in this living world. Until... I get a chance at that donut chicken sandwich, which I'm fainting for a little bit, but, you know, new year, new Charles, gotta take care of the body a little bit, but on a day that I just break down and hear that near I gotta cry moment, that's when I'll go and get my donut chicken sandwich and then probably go on to the fairy of Hades here. Okay. <laughs> uh, alright, so... Here, I have an interest... What time do we have, Andrew? What's that? What time do we have? A minute, uh, we have an hour 47, so we have 13 minutes. Um, I just want to bring up a quick weather alert. If, if, if. Well, what the hell? I'm, I'm running this thing so I can do whatever I want. It's your show, baby. Yeah. I got to fight for my right to the party. All right. Uh, all right, let me pull it up right now on the Z computer. So, for those who are not in Miami right now, which I assume is most of you, it is currently 53 degrees outside. 50 to th 53 degrees Fahrenheit. I do not know how that translates into Celsius, but I'm assuming it's probably in the tens. Um, weather forecast for today, our weather advisory from the National Weather Service Miami office. This isn't something we usually forecast, but don't be surprised if you see iguanas falling from the trees tonight as, as lows drop into the 30s and 40s. Burr. Yes, that's right. My, my brother-in-law sent me that text, actually. So, for those who do not know, there are quite a few invasive species in the South Florida area, one of which, and possibly the most prevalent, at least, that you'll see, is iguanas. Um, I honestly don't know how that all got started. I assume a lot of it had to do with Hurricane Andrew decimating the Miami Zoo back in 92. I think it was mostly... I mean, uh, no, Hurricane Andrew was the reason the pythons are a problem in the Everglades. Okay. But the iguanas are because some douche didn't want them or lost his and they went off into the wild and a um, female went off into the wild and all of a sudden we have thousands upon thousands of iguanas running them up. And they are big. These are big yeah, they mother truckers. Small dog. Yes. They are they are big. I mean a lot of it is their tail, but I'd say if sand's tail, they're probably at least three feet long. Well, two feet. And their tail is probably half their body, so they're probably like four feet long. 
from nose to end of tail. They're big, though. You'll see them. They are hard to miss. But because iguanas are cold-blooded, being reptiles, they, they tend to stay in trees, obviously, uh, I guess at night. So <laughs> instead of raining cats and dogs, it could be raining iguanas tonight. Which is great because uh, there's you can legally kill one right now. Uh, you have to do it humanely, obviously, but uh, they're they're not protected at, in any way whatsoever in the state of Florida. So I would hope that a lot of the, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Service, there, a lot of people are out there ready to round up these iguanas at this point because now is the perfect time to get them. Mm-hmm. If they're going to be falling from trees, falling from buildings, and whatsoever. I think in Palm Beach County, they damaged a dam. There's a dam somewhere in Palm Beach County, and they burrow into the ground, and they damage one of the dams. So it's costing, like, I don't know, maybe a couple million dollars just to fix that. They are a nuisance. They are a nuisance. They're very pretty. Very pretty, very pretty green color, that's for sure. They are. um, They're gorgeous. Yeah, but if you uh, you do see one, and and, uh, it gives you any just be nice, you know, don't make it suffer. Yeah, you know, just give it a little whack, uh, kind of like the dudes that just kind of rip it to shreds. And, uh, no, 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 just, there's, there's, there's a human, humane way to do it, uh, just, or just call it a fish or something like that. That would probably be the best thing to do. Mind you, starts with one and two, and then it builds up. Last person standing gets a title shot at WrestleMania. 
Last year, the big push of it was who's going to main event WrestleMania from the Royal Rumble, which Becky Lynch won. This year, it's a little bit hazy because we don't know what's going on there. you got Brock Lesnar, the WWE champion, who's entering at number one. Weird flex, but okay. You know, obviously, they're not ready to pull the trigger on any young superstars on who they have him go against Mania, so let's just add some intrigue. So, let's say if he won, starting at number one, going the whole hour and change, what would you do? Would you have him go against the Fiend? Try to unite the Universal Championship and then the WWE Championship? Probably not going to happen. But I'm curious. And then you also have the Women's Royal Rumble. You know, because here's the thing. You get a winner, you can cross brands. Because, you know, separate right now. Fox has SmackDown. USA has Raw. USA also has NXT. There's going to be some NXT people. Is this going to be the season where someone wins where they jump ship? So someone wins from SmackDown, they go to Raw, they go to Raw to SmackDown. NXT going to challenge the titles because... You're the men's winner. You gotta challenge Brock Lesnar's WWE Championship or the Phoenix Universal Championship. You're the women's uh, Royal Rumble winner. You might be able to challenge the SmackDown uh, Championship, which is on Bailey right now. I think it's gonna drop Lacey Evans, so that'll be a big swerve right there. Maybe they'll have Sasha Banks win and just build up and bring in her friendship with Bailey and kind of build something else into it. Or you have Becky Lynch, who was defending her title against Austin at the Royal Rumble. This is her second matchup in the Royal Rumble last year. Asuka retained her championship. This is the champ. She's the man. Asuka's challenging. They pull the whole storyline of, hey, who's got the best cred? You know, you have my number. I'm going to come back and do that. I kind of like that in my wrestling. I kind of like that in my storytelling. It simplifies a little bit. Because now it's not really about times. Now it's about that you have handed me my behind multiple times. So henceforth, I'm going to come and do that. It was like me and Appellate Reese and Royal Arguments in law school. And I realized these get degrees. I need to stop trying to become a champ as it is. I'm just taking my 10 count and leave here. I don't know who's going, gentlemen. I need my money for the winnings. You know, I kind of feel like Shayna Baszler, who's been on NXT for a long time, who lost her NXT championship about three weeks ago to Ray Ripley, is going to win the Royal Rumble as the NXT surprise to overthrow maybe Charlotte Flair as the last person to get some credibility so she can either chase out the Lacey or Bailey. She already has some history there. It's a good spotlight on the NXT superstars. So people may want to watch a little bit of USA because they're thinking, oh man, I remember the Survivor Series and the crap main event. Actually, she had, but let's not get into that because that was November and late January, boys. But maybe we'll say, hey, these people are getting called up and they're getting big title shots. Maybe we go watch that. And our Raw on the Royal for the Men's, I mean, is Drew McIntyre on Raw the guy? Is he going to be the one who does it? Is he going to be the one who wins and finally gets a chance to face Brock because he's on the card? Kevin Owens, he's lost some momentum. He was my pick originally a couple weeks ago, but now it's gone. Or is it going to be Roman Reigns, who's finally going to be done with this whole little storyline of King Corbin, who's being great as a heel, along with his likeness, obviously learning, you know, what is it, Bobby Roode, everybody else, Robert Roode. He's going to challenge the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, assuming that he doesn't, you know, lose his belt at the Royal Rumble against Dave Bryant, who's why she's not. And when he comes full circle, he'll come back and get the title that he had to vacate after he found out he had leukemia. I think the writing's a lawyer. Yeah. Because sometimes wrestling, in the day, it's a feel-good story. Good versus evil, a man overcoming the odds. The ultimate underdog, think about it. The ultimate underdog gets diagnosed with leukemia, vacates the title, and gets the opportunity to get that title back. Not any other title that's a main championship, but the universal championship that he vacated sounds to me like it's a recipe for success. And you know what? There's some fans out there who are tired of Roman winning, but guess what? It's been about a year, year and a half. He hasn't had it. He hasn't been in the title scene. He's been helping make other people look good. An example, Buddy Murphy. Let him have this one. Let him win the Rumble. Sure. Maybe not. Maybe you don't have anybody with the Rock, so let Roman lead away to the feet. That's kind of what I'm feeling. 
a little bit you guys in the cage. Elsewhere AEW, man, I'm having a hard time getting invested in that uh, their paper that's got coming up. I don't even remember the name of it because it's like, oof, that even excite me a little bit more. You know, you have, yes, you have John Moxley versus Chris Jericho coming up, presumably. They have to face uh, Moxley and so it's Neville. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. All these other guys, I don't know. And you're kind of weaving them out 
the story and it is now. Darby Allen, are you mid card or are you main event? Do you want to create a mid card title, a television title, a dynamite title? Call it whatever the hell you want, I don't care. But to kind of put a belt on somebody to see how they would draw as a champion, in the presumption instead of just taking that face out, because the general of AEW is that they give you rankings, but they the rankings are not reflective of who the contenders. So, for example, John Moxley is the one ranked guy on AEW, but he's not the number one contender. He still has to face Pack, the former WWE Neville, to become the number one contender. Maybe a little bit there. The tag team matches, though, that division is stacked. You got the Young Bucks, you got the team Omega Page, who's going to be a split come soon. You got Proud and Powerful, the Santana Ortiz, formerly known as LAX from Impact. You have. Dark Order, which is kind of been bad lately, you know, because they're trying to recruit somebody, or they're trying to be like they have this exalted leader again. That's actually that's what should be a leader, but it was thinking whether it be Evil Uno or Steve Grayson, but that's a different story. You have the Blade and the Butcher, weird people, and I think part of the problem why I can't get this is that you have too many of the same people feuding with everybody else. So Cody Rose is feuding with MJF, but he was feuding with Jericho, and then he's feuding with Blade and Butcher above and MJF, and then also Chris Jericho. So he's going to Variety in that sense. And Variety is a spice of life, Francisco. <laughs> okay. Friday on SmackDown to end that feud and just continue it and throw it all the way just 
have it somewhere when they hit somebody. But that's how it works in the place. We're just not giving these two uh, rumble matches, but each rumble match is about an hour of hop, so chances are on uh, my time to watch. Hold on. Can you hear me now? Yeah, exactly. My internet decided to, to crap out. I know we're running a bit long, but I have one more question for Charles and then I briefly want to talk about one other thing since it's still somewhat newsworthy. So Charles, um, do you have any projections on who are going to be the other eight for the men's, 26 for the women? Uh, competitors. Yes, I can do this. Royal Rumble is also great because you get to bring back some veterans for the nostalgia acts or guys returning for injury. So, one of them, The Undertaker, you know, he's going to have a moment. Maybe Goldberg has an appearance. It was rumored about Edge, but I don't think Edge is medically clear. How old is Goldberg? Yeah, he's in his 40s, I think. Goldberg's like 52. No, he's like 52. He's in much better shape than I am. Did you all see the fight? Yes. 
the fight literally lasted 40 seconds. Yeah, it was. I I've never seen anything like it. It just he came out he came out strong, and what really did Cowboy in was if you saw it, he hit him in the nose with his shoulder, um, and broke his nose. Um. Yeah, he, like three or four times, his his left his left shoulder, bam, 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 right into uh, Cowboy's nose. It's just like that was impressive. That was total and utter domination. Um, I don't know, Charles, you saw it. So, what are your thoughts? And Francisco, you didn't see it, so. Again, I apologize for taking us a little bit long, but we had a few good topics uh, to cover this evening. Um, I hope I didn't screw things up too much. 
Um, again, this is really my first produced show that I did. Um, what's that? Well, it's been a, almost a year since my last one. Um, so my plan is to kind of tighten things up a bit for next week. I do. So, for anyone who's watching, as always, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is... Oh, nice. Well, hi, everyone that's been watching us. Uh, don't be a stranger next time. Feel free to send us messages. Uh, we love to chat with you guys. It's annoying having to just see Charles all the time on there. Um, I talk to him enough in these two hours as it is. We should try to learn some Russian and just do like a segment in Russian or something. That's true. Oh, next week, uh, the KHL All-Star game was this past week, and we'll have to cover that next week. It was very interesting. Um, and Charles, I'm kidding. I love you, man. Um, so anyway, thanks for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen of the world, Sports Goose Nation, whatever you want to call it. Thanks again to our non-sponsors. What was the audiobook that you... Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time. Um, Rocket League. Uh, it's been an hour, so I completely forgot what everything was. Uh, so Rocket League for Francisco, Wheel of Time from Audible by Char for Charles. And Turvis for me. Thanks again to everyone. And as always, have a wonderful evening. And watch out for falling iguanas.